Hey everyone, and welcome to Privacy Beats, where we bring you all of the breaking news in privacy and computer security and surveillance and all of those wonderful things. This is the show where we have a segment that we like to call Get Off My Digital Lawn. Awesome. We have PyCoda in the chat saying that uh, they came for the, the music. Well, whatever brings you here, whether it is the privacy tips or the breaking news or the music, that's cool too. The music is pretty great. Uh, so let's keep the start off. But we actually got a uh, super chat right off the bat from Ramsey K. Thank you so much, Ramsey, uh, for your support there. Really appreciate that. Thanks to everyone who's tuning in. Today is going to be an absolute killer show there. So I'll give you a rundown of what we're going to talk about. Basically, this week, there was a major hack. There's a company out there, they have 15,000 users, uh, I mean, companies that they work with. Uh, you've probably never heard of this, uh, the name of this company. But what happened uh, was there's this major hack. So we're going to dive into the details of this. We're going to dive into why cybersecurity experts say that it, it was very, very bad. We've got some crazy revelations, a nice twist to the story about the suspects that they think is behind it. And then there's a big reveal, um, apparently giant security hole that actually a lot of companies might be vulnerable to. And this hack actually kind of highlighted that, which is, I mean, there's lots of, lots to dive into here. The whole of, of, Crypto, I mean, uh, well, crypto is in cryptography. Like privacy, Twitter kind of went crazy over this story because it's such a major hack that occurred. So we're going to dive into that. During the show, of course, we do have our quiz. Yay! So Privacy Beat quiz. This is where we throw up during the show. We'll have three questions for you to answer. Make sure that you post your comments in the comment section. And, uh, and comment on all of them. Anyone who answers all three questions correctly, you go into the draw to win eternal glory, which is something that everyone wants. Who doesn't want eternal glory? Eternal glory is great. So if you want to participate in eternal glory on Privacy Beat, then make sure you put your questions, your answers into the comments there. All right, guys. Zebra3 says, hi, Naomi. I like your energy. I like your energy too, Zebra3. Thanks for being here. All right, let's get started. So really, really bad hack. Okta, this company, I don't know who's heard of Okta. Can you guys write in the comments if you've heard of Okta? It's a company, I mean, it's huge. It services all of these major companies, um, but it's kind of on the back end. So it's not really a consumer facing product. So I think that it's behind the scenes and a lot of people don't even realize that it exists. Well, basically there is a digital extortion gang called Lapsus, Lapsus dollar sign, I should say. They have a dollar sign in their name. Uh, and they published a series of photographs on their Telegram channel, basically showing that they were in control of an Okta administrative or super user account. And security uh, Twitter kind of went crazy over this because Okta is such a big deal. Uh, just so you get an idea of what Okta is, right? Uh, it is like it's everywhere. It's an identity management platform. It's used by thousands of large organizations, like 15 
thousand organizations. Check out, check out all of these names, major names you would have heard of, FedEx, JetBlue, Grubhub, T-Mobile, Major League Baseball, Con Ed, GitHub, like they, 15,000 of them. And basically they allow these organizations to securely access the networks and applications. And uh, just so you get an idea, like what is Okta? So Okta is one of the biggest providers of single sign-on software. So they let customers basically use one password across numerous apps. They require just one time code to get into an account. It's supposed to offer tighter security, apparently not so much because there's a giant uh, security hole there that we will dive into. Um, but it's, yeah, just this really interesting situation where all of these companies are kind of using this. This is one of the many products that they offer. They are an identity management platform. They offer other types of security as well. Um, but it generally allows users of these uh, workers, employees with these types of companies to just log in more securely. Now, because they are involved with so many different companies, there could be serious consequences to this recent hack. Let's dive into it. Um, so Lapsus, as I said, they have been kind of on a tear during December. There's a great Wired article that dives into their history and uh, what this hack is all about. Apparently, they've been stealing source code and other valuable data uh, from increasingly prominent companies. They started out doing companies that were just in South America and in the UK, and now they're doing these global companies, like, including NVIDIA, Samsung, Vodafone, Ubisoft. They're hacking all of these places and taunting them and um, basically extorting these companies, hence the dollar sign in their name is very, very subtle there. Um, Apparently, they were using phishing scams to compromise victims, and uh, and it seems that some of those high-profile high breaches stemmed from the group's Okta compromise, because Okta really is a part of a lot of different companies. So if you compromise that, it gets pretty dangerous. So let's dive into the details of this hack. Um, so late January 2022, apparently Okta detected an attempt to compromise the account of a third party customer support engineer working for one of their sub processes. So um, CEO of Okta, Todd McKinnon, put out a statement saying as much. And then they said, based on their investigations to date, there's no evidence of ongoing malicious activity beyond the activity detected in January which is is interesting because it took a while for them to start posting pictures of the Okta breach and saying like, yeah, oh, we've compromised you. So it's like, it's not clear how much access Lapsus had within Okta um, uh, or its unnamed sub-processor they're referring to. And I'll dive into details of the sub-processor towards the end because it gets pretty interesting there. So Dan Tentler, uh, who's a founder of the attack simulation platform Phobos Group, it's an awesome company that kind of deliberately attacks your company online, see if they can hack in and see what your vulnerabilities are so you can fix them. Uh, so he says that the screenshots suggest that Lapsus compromised the access of an Okta site reliability engineer. And what this means is that they could potentially have extensive system privileges as part of infrastructure maintenance and improvement work. So they could really be able to do some serious damage because they just compromised this one user of this subcontractor of Oaked Up.
Um, Tentler also says this could be Solar Winds 2.0. Do you guys remember Solar Winds 2.0? So it was a super high profile supply chain attack that, um, that occurred last year. It compromised a bunch of high profile companies. <laughs> Hilariously, it also compromised uh, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency or CISA or KISA, how you want to pronounce it which is the Office of the Department of Homeland Security, whose job it is to protect federal computer networks from cyber attacks. <laughs> so the government agency, literally, their job is to, you know, uh, protect federal computer networks from cyber attacks. They themselves got hacked by this. Anyway, that's just a bit of a, a digression. So Tetler says that this could be like, you know, solar winds 2.0 because it's so extensive and could potentially affect so many different companies. So um, then you have another security researcher, Bill uh, Dermirkapi, I probably pronounced that incorrectly, who said, basically, this is really, really bad, right? Now, I think that the markets responded as well to this news. Um, basically, the stock prices fell on Tuesday by about 6%. Since then, it's been about 11% that they've fallen. And Okta's entire market capitalization is $26 billion. So it's a giant, giant company and the market isn't responding too well. A lot of people are saying, well, Okta really responded badly to this. They were too slow. They were dismissive. A lot of different um, issues. But I think the biggest issue in all of this is that the images that this hacker group put out, because they show that it's some sort of a super user account that got accessed. Why, why does Okta have a super user account that could have such extensive access into all of these companies? I mean, that's a, that's a huge vulnerability right there. It doesn't matter how many layers of protection you add to your system. If you have a user who has like a, a God mode administrative capabilities to the system, if they get hacked, it's game over, you know, it creates so much exposure. It's, it's like what we saw, um, was at the start of last year with t Twitter, where Twitter got hacked and suddenly you had all, like Obama and Elon Musk and all of these legitimate accounts suddenly tweeting about like, send me Bitcoin, I'll send you Bitcoin back. And, uh, and clearly it was hacked. Um, but the way that they got into that Twitter hack was basically one of these super user accounts. They hacked that and then they had just had admin privileges to access all of these accounts. Generally, when you have these super user accounts, the company will really curtail what they can access uh, within the platform because otherwise that's such a huge liability there. You have someone whose computer gets hacked and they have those type of high level administrative capabilities. That gets pretty scary. And for a company that's handling people's online security that's their job description for them to have that sort of vulnerability was very interesting uh to me so anyway a lot of companies that are involved as i said fifteen thousand of them a lot of them started to distance themselves from okta saying like oh well they may handle some of our security but no we're fine you don't need to worry we have other security measures in place one of them was cloudflare which basically runs the internet so they said well um thankfully we have multiple layers of security beyond okta and would never consider them to be standalone option so that's really great that you have companies you know creating redundancy in their security mechanisms there um now it's it's interesting because this hack signals one of two things, right? And this is something that Wire laid out in their uh, article, which I thought was <laughs> was well said. They said either this group 
lapsus, either they are a more sophisticated organization than people ever realized, given you know, the scope of these attacks, how many high profile companies they've been able to access, et cetera, or the security of some of the world's most critical companies is even more fragile and inadequate than previously thought. I would, I would say that it's the latter. Um, and we'll, we'll dive into that some more in a second. But it's really, it's scary, especially when I heard about the Twitter hack last night, I mean, last year. What immediately went through my head was why does Twitter have one of these super user accounts where an admin can go in and run all these high profile accounts? Because we're living in a day where our digital identity is everything. It, it has so much value in our lives. If you hijack someone's Twitter account, you've hijacked their, their life, you've hijacked their reputation, you can solicit funds, you can scam people, um, you take away their communication access to people. Like it's, our digital identities are really important. And we have all these kind of fun companies out there like oh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all these platforms that we kind of consider to be, oh, well, it's just a game and we're just like playing with friends and whatnot. But actually, these things have become fundamental to our lives. And to lose access to those things actually is really serious these days because of how much clout there is behind our accounts there. If someone wants to contact me, you know, they're going to contact me through Twitter or something like that because they know that that's a legitimate account that I control. If someone were to take over that control because they had you know, Twitter admin privileges, it opens up so many vulnerabilities there. So I think that the Twitter hack in particular was a big wake up call as to how important digital identities are, how actually they need to be protected more than companies maybe previously thought. Um, but also companies like, like, you know, Okta, it's crazy to me that, um, that a company like that would have such admin priv privileges and these vulnerabilities. But let's kind of dive more into this. First of all, I want to ask the question, who was behind it? So there have been some speculation around this. And uh, actually, Bloomberg put out an article that kind of scooped this. They said that actually, it's a teenager who's suspected as being the mastermind behind uh, lapses. So a bunch of uh, cybersecurity researchers, they traced the attacks to a 16-year-old living in his mother's house near Oxford, England. Wow. So I think that, you know, the question posed before, is this, this a really good group or is this really lax security measures from companies? It's probably the latter. But I mean, it, it may be a bit of both. You have this brilliant 16 year old kid who's just hacking high profile companies. I mean, even if they are really, really brilliant, these these other companies like Microsoft, Ubisoft, and all these companies, the NVIDIA that are getting uh, hacked, they really need to step up their game. Oh, there's a quiz question on the bottom there, guys. Don't forget to answer, all right? Make sure that you answer the questions. Um, all right. so. Diving more into information we have about this suspect. So they, the security researchers believe that the group is motivated by money and notoriety. Well, that's obvious. They're, as I said, they literally have a dollar sign in their name, Lapsus. So they're clearly motivated by money. But the notoriety thing is very clear because they taunt the people that they hack. They put images out in Telegram. They've been even been known, apparently, to hack into Zoom calls of the companies that they've hacked to taunt them in the Zoom calls to, you know, that while these companies are trying to, you know, clean up this cybersecurity mess. So, uh, yeah, very interested in, in notoriety. Uh, apparently, cyber researchers have found forensic evidence from the hacks as well as publicly available information to tie the team to the hacking group. Uh, Bloomberg said that they aren't naming the alleged hacker because 
they're underage, um, but they go by the online alias White and Breach Base, and they haven't been publicly accused by law enforcement yet. And we'll see what happens in this case. But this is who the cybersecurity researchers have traced this to, which is very interesting. Then there's another member uh, outside of the UK, actually a teenager residing in Brazil, a group of teenagers, guys. Like this is this is crazy. Um, so apparently, there you know there are a lot of members to this group. One of them's in Brazil. One of them's in the UK. Now, um, in talking about the impact of this, Okta disclosed that this engineer at this third-party vendor, which we'll dive into in a second, because this is where the story gets even more juicy, um, this third-party vendor was breached, but apparently 2.5% of its customers may have been impacted. 2.5% doesn't seem like a lot, but that's 366 customers that they say, you know, that's the maximum potential impact uh, that this breach had. So that's the accounts whose data was accessed by an outside contractor. Now, the contractor is the Miami-based CITL group. And we're gonna dive into this more in a second, um, but they employed an engineer whose laptop uh, the hackers hijacked and uh, 366 figure, this number that they that the company threw out, represented what they say is the worst case scenario. So the hackers had been constrained in their range of possible actions. There was some curtailing there, but 366 companies, like, wow, that's, that's still a lot. So apparently it wasn't until March 10th that Sittle received a forensic report about the incident, giving Okta a summary of the findings a week later. So when they found out, let me let me backtrack a little bit and some people who might have just um, uh, tuned in, uh, hit not smash, we need it. <laughs> yeah, hit the like button, everyone. Um, so at the start, we mentioned how this group, Lapsus, they posted these screenshots of uh, Okta and showing that they had control of the admin page. So this was back in January. And then at the time, Okta actually asked for an investigation from CISEL. And um, this was January. It took them until March 10th to get that report to Okta. So that's kind of interesting there. And then you had Bradbury say that he was greatly in disappointed by the long period of time that transpired between our notification to CITL and the issuance of the complete investigation report. Um, and it's interesting because they also traced that the group had successfully recruited insiders at victimized companies in order to assist in their hacks. So this is a company that not only is breaching these third parties to access these major corporations, but they're also recruiting people at specific companies to try to bring them in. Uh, and that that's actually pretty common. You get that a lot with like SIM swaps at telecom companies. That's why you should never use your phone number for two-factor authentication. If you want to learn more about that, we've got a whole video about it. Um, so I'm going to dive into this really interesting side note that kind of gets into juicy details about this third party contractor because i read this and i was i was a little bit blown away at how just how fragile the security of these companies is um so there was an article put out by forbes and they talked about call center security holes. I wanted to dive into details of this because I found it super interesting. So o the Okta hack, they said, exposes a huge hole in tech giant security. They're call centers. Let's talk about why. So 
these call centers, you know, they're providing tech support for companies and often companies will just outsource that to someone else. Now, there's a little known outsourcing firm called Sykes. Most people will have never heard of that. It's actually now part of the Sittle Group, which is one of the world's largest call center providers. So Sittle, very renowned companies, and then they, you know, bought... Um, uh, Sykes. And so now it's kind of part of Citel, but it's like a, it's an outsourcing firm, right? So this, the world's largest call center provider, they've contracted work. They do work for like Amazon, for Cisco, major companies that you would have heard of. Now, apparently this third party contractor, one of these workers for Sykes, his account was what was compromised. So the hackers managed to snoop on 2.5% of Okta's companies just by hacking this one guy's computer in this call center. And uh, it apparently included $30 billion web security provider Cloudflare and six, uh, 365 others. What they had access to once they breached this guy's account was they were able to reset passwords, they were able to scoop up customer information. Apparently the breach lasted for five days and it allowed the hackers to reset passwords and those one-time codes during that time, which is pretty intense, right? Um, oh, we got another quiz question. Everyone send in your answers to the quiz question. All right, we're gonna, we've got some, ooh, got, oh, Bauer fan says C, Harry Lasagna says A. A, a lot of people seem to be saying A. All right, we'll uh, we'll this uh, keep keep guessing, guys. Keep going. All right. So apparently, the hacker gained access to the Citil technician's computer via what's known as a remote desk protocol, which provides access to a system from afar. It's like when you can hack hijack someone's system, you know, using one of these remote services. How a lot of these hacking platforms uh, work. So. What the hack showed is how outsourcing technical support actually presents a risk to any company that uses this outsourcing and to its customers' data. And that's a really big thing to consider, right? Because I think when a lot of companies, you know, they will, they're like, okay, well, we need to have a call center. We need to have customer support. Let's outsource it to the big guys. Let's outsource it to Sittle. They're the major ones. Um, and so let's make sure that the experts are handling it. But what happens is that when you outsource things, you're still like, you're still liable for your reputation. If there's ever a breach that happens, you're liable because you're expected to scrutinize these companies that you're outsourcing to. And what we're seeing is that there's been huge reputational damage now done to Okta because they outsourced to Sittle, which outsourced to Sykes or, you know, um, use Sykes, which is a part of Sittle now. And they had this big, security holes there. So that can cause huge reputational uh, damage. And even though, you know, it's someone else, the, their company is doing it, they're not the ones who get the, bear the brunt of that reputational damage. It is the company that hires them. So it's just a reminder to these companies that they need to be scrutinizing um, the companies that they're hiring, that they're outsourcing to, because it's your reputation on the line and you need to make sure that they have really great security in place, especially if you're a security company and your entire business model is providing login details for people and uh, and allowing them to you know log into accounts, provide one-time password, all of these things easily, right? So you don't really want to have those giant security um, holes. So we had Alison Nixon was mentioned in this Forbes article. She's 
is the Chief Research Officer at Cyber Investigations Business Unit 221B. So she said the cyber criminals have long targeted the low-paid tech support workers who have access to the keys of the kingdom. And this is a very common thing with a lot of these companies. So companies will just outsource this stuff, give them admin privileges because they need to have certain control in order to provide this support. And then they're the ones who are targeted by these hacking firms. And it happens quite frequently. Uh, increasingly, hackers are going after call centers. So it's uh, definitely a giant hole that was a revelation to me. I didn't realize that was one of the main focuses of, of hackers at the moment. And it did make me wonder which services I'm using um, you know, that have good reputations. Otherwise, maybe they're outsourcing things to call sentence and maybe that's a vulnerability that I just wasn't aware of. So by exploiting this vulnerability, Lapsus was able to break into top tier companies and gain levels of access that an advanced government hacking group would drool over, said, uh, said Nixon. So such a, a great point there. Now, Microsoft, as I mentioned, they also found instances where the group successfully gained access to target organizations uh, by recruiting actual employees. So these rogue employee scenarios, um, or they could also just recruit employees of their suppliers or their contractors or their business partners, and that gives them access as well. So lots of vulnerabilities here. Um, and then uh, there have been other instances where apparently Lapsus offered to buy company passwords. So they're doing a lot of things to gain access. I think the moral of this story is companies do not do enough due diligence to check on the security of third party providers. This is something that uh, Cesar Caruro mentioned. He is the chief research officer at cybersecurity company Strike. And I think that's a really great point that baby companies, this will be a bit of a wake up call to them. Um, so Carudo said, sometimes you just get asked to sign a checkbox that you're you know, legally compliant and that you do security and penetration tests or whatever, but it's just a, text, a checkbox on a form on a contract. So all they're like saying is like, oh, we require you to do a test. And the other person's like, yeah, sure, we'll do a test. And that's all of the interrogation and scrutiny over their security practices that's being done, which is, is really quite crazy. So again, hopefully this is a wake up call to businesses to make sure that they're checking who has access to what on their network, because this was a giant vulnerability there. And it actually got me thinking, right? So um, yeah, Jonathan Rocker in the chat says, CNN says Microsoft was hacked by lapses. Yeah, uh, Microsoft was hacked. A lot of like major tier companies, they were all all hacked. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy, um, but it got me thinking, when we're handing over documents on the internet, do we know whether the companies we're handing it to is actually looking after these? I mean, we we know that to sign up to a crypto exchange, for example, you got to hand over your passport and your driver's license and the birth certificate of your firstborn child or whatever, like a blood sample, a urine sample, like they want everything, right? And we just hand it over. We're like, okay, whatever, just give me access to the account because, you know, there's a, there's a dip going on and I want to buy it. Um, and a lot of people don't think twice about handing over this information. So I actually put up a Twitter poll uh, on Twitter today that said, uh, when you hand over sensitive identity documents to verify yourself on the platform, do you worry about how these docs are being stored or secured on the other end? And I really wanted to ask this question because I think a lot of people just hand over this information without even thinking about it. And that's really dangerous. So as a kind of moral to this story and an actionable item from it, um, I've been listening to a lot of Michael Basil's 
podcasts recently because he's awesome, an amazing cybersecurity privacy expert that you should totally be checking out if you're not already. He just is such a wealth of information. Um, and he's like, he is someone who caters to high and high risk clients. So for the average person, most of the stuff he talks about, you're going to be like, oh my God, I'm not wearing a tinfoil hat. But there'll be certain clientele will be like, what size tinfoil hat should I get? You know, because they're that high risk that he's kind of catering towards them, making sure they're protected. Um, so I listen to him all the time because I, I just love learning from him. He talks a lot about how to avoid giving over documents when companies ask for it, how to find out what third-party security auditors or um, providers companies are using. So sometimes you might like have, oh, I'm sending it to this airline company and they're asking for certain documents there. And then you're like, well, that's pretty invasive. I know for a fact that they're using this third-party security company to you know, identify, identify those documents and they're actually they, they're less invasive than this airline company. So sometimes you can actually ask the airline company, can I just verify directly through this other company? You hand over less documents. So he has lots of tips on that. So in this Twitter poll, um, most people said their answer was, yes, they are concerned, but what can I do? So there are things you can do, for example, look to the 34.9% of people who responded, I avoid such platforms. That's generally a pretty good rule of thumb if you can, you know, avoid putting these documents out there because as soon as you're putting your driver's license or your social security card or whatever out there, you don't know how these companies are securing them on the other end. So you should be actually pretty mindful of giving away these sensitive documents. You don't know whether they're encrypted on the other end, whether they're deleted as soon as the verification's taken place. And so it pays to really be mindful of this because if the Okta hack has taught us anything, it's that even these security companies themselves can be hacked. And if they do, what, what information do hackers have access to? Are they going to leak these sensitive documents about you? Are they going to, you know, leak things that, uh, that you would rather be kept? private. So it's uh, definitely something to keep in mind, looking for alternatives, um, uh, that your know, platforms that aren't so invasive. Sometimes there'll be companies that you're like, listen, they've asked for too much stuff. It is okay to just say no to those companies and just not use their services and find an alternative. Uh, Michael Basil actually recently in one of these podcasts said generally he'll give people tips to kind of evade questions or skirt them, you know, while working within the framework of the law, but just kind of find ways to avoid this really invasive overreach uh, into our privacy. But recently he's kind of gone off that and he said, actually, you know, I just choose not to use these platforms anymore because I don't, you know, I don't want to have to go to all this effort and try to dodge them. And, you know, it's difficult to maneuver all this. So sometimes I just don't want to um, patronize these businesses. I don't want to give them my money. I don't want to give them my business. So is this something just to be thoughtful of um 2.4 percent in this poll said no who cares it's like well you might care when your identity gets stolen when one of these companies gets hacked but you do you and then 3.2 percent said haven't thought about it which i i i would have thought that would have been more common i think a lot of people don't think about this um but hopefully you'll think about it a little more as you're handing over these documents um because once they're out there they're out there they they almost surely there's going to be some sort of a data breach um at one of these companies where you've given sensitive documents, you don't want to be your data to be part of those things leaked. So it's, uh, yeah, someone, so the Shub Lab asked, what if we have already used these platforms? 
I mean, that's a great question. Your, your documents are already out there. You can't change what's past, but you can make more proactive decisions moving forward and mitigate and try to think of how to not um, release so many of these documents in future. Definitely something to be aware of. We had some uh, Twitter followers who responded to us. We had Crypto Hippie who said, you know, at first, I thought it was uh, the way of the future, but now I'm terrified. Is there a way to request the KYC data be deleted from local or foreign exchanges? That's a great question. It depends. Different. Um, so there are certain privacy rules across the globe. It depends where on the in the world you are. Like for example, GDPR requires that companies um, you know respond to users' requests to delete data and all of that. So you can actually try. You can write to them. Um, they would almost surely say if we're deleting this data, we're going to close down your account. Um, and so you have to understand that if you've given this data and you want it to be deleted, they might be okay with that request and follow through with it um but some you know that may mean that you have just have to stop using their services it doesn't always work sometimes these companies they'll say that they delete it but it's not really deleted on their end you have really no way of verifying it so you want to be you want to be particularly careful before handing out this information it's a little bit difficult going back and retroactively trying to get companies to delete it also because a lot of the times you give away your you know this data is packaged up but it's sold to third parties or other parties have access to it it disappears you actually probably not even sure which companies have your data. Maybe a company was using a third party identity provider you didn't even know about and they're the ones with the data. So you might ask this exchange, delete my information. And they're like, yeah, we have no information. And it's actually this third party provider you didn't even realize you were using. So it can get really difficult to track this stuff down. So just being mindful before handing it out is probably a really good uh, step. We got another tweet that said, uh, it's from a crypto magiciano uh, saying, I hate to see my, um, my personal data being what does that say it's very small being scattered around the digital world um and so yeah i i completely hear that and so just be careful before you hand it out that's probably the only tip i have for you but you just you just got to be careful with this stuff we live in the digital age and hackers get better all the time and so companies really need to evolve along the way as well and make sure security practices are also getting better along the time so Let's uh let's go to the quiz, guys. I I want to see who won our uh, our wonderful show. I really enjoyed seeing. Um, <laughs> Brian M says it's a it's a biased poll. Well, it may be a biased poll, but I still appreciate my followers. And if you are watching the show, you probably are interested in privacy. So just keep doing keep doing you. But you're probably right, Brian. Um, qu quiz question. The quiz questions were where are our questions i don't see our questions anywhere so i can't read them out to you but uh yeah. let's just go into the winner they're not in my notes i'll just throw it over to you yeah i can't read it my, my producer's talking to me out in my ear i can't read it on the screen sam they gotta go in my notes so i can't read them all right <laughs> it's all right i'll uh let's let's start i can see them now i've expanded let's say your bank's fraud prevention calls they ask you to confirm your identity before you can proceed. Do you, A, answer all the questions immediately because it's time sensitive. This is the fraud department. You want to get, make sure you're on top of this. B, ask to speak to a manager to confirm that it's legit. Seems pretty reasonable. C, hang up, call your bank directly and confirm they called you. 100% C, always do C. If someone calls you, never, 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 never 
answer any personal questions about you. I get calls all the time from people. I get calls legitimately from my bank who will say, hi, Naomi, you know, we're calling you and we want to know this, but and I'm like, great. And then they're like, we need to verify your identity, answer these questions. I'm like, no. And they're always a little bit shocked. And I'm thinking like, why does the bank have such terrible privacy management? But you need to be on top of it. If anyone calls you, never answer any questions. If they say they're from, you know, uh, AT&T calling about your account, Go call back AT&T and then ask to be put through to them. Research the number that dialed you on the internet. See if it's actually linked on an official AT&T website to someone there. Just make sure you're verifying this stuff because this is how scams happen. Uh, next question. We got, you received an Amazon order confirmation for an item you did not buy. What do you do? It's spam. Click the ask questions link and give them a piece of your mind. Everyone feels like doing that because you want to tell them off. P, ignore it, delete it, never click the link. C, click the link to your Amazon account to check the details. Never click the link. It's never, I, never click the link. Never, never do it. Never click the link. All right, great. We know that it's B. Let's go on to the next one. Got someone calls claiming a loved one is in jail. They need you to put cash through an ATM for bail. Do you hang up and call your loved one right away? Ask if they take money ground because those are more secure. C, ask to meet them right away to give them the money in person. 100% A, this happened to a friend of mine. Her parents lost $30,000. They were told that she was in jail because she was drink driving. She hit a pregnant woman. She killed her. And the parents were out of their mind, hysterical, true story. And they said she needs bail money. And obviously ATMs have a limit. The parents went to, I think it was five different ATMs to put in cash because I was so worried. Why didn't they just call their daughter to find out? Because they were told that, well, obviously she's in, in jail, so she doesn't have a phone on them. And also don't call her husband because he'd be really, really upset. You need to keep this a secret. She'll break it to the husband herself. And they knew all kinds of personal details. They knew, you know, the, the friend's name and the dog's name and all of this. If anything like that ever happens, absolutely call that person directly, no matter what the person on the other line says, right? These scams are so common and they're heartbreaking, so protect yourself. So on that note, the very smart person was our winner, Sam. Hop on over and, and tell us who the winner is. I'm going to do a drum roll. We are so excited to congratulate Nico Silva. You have achieved eternal crypto beat. Well, actually, I'm in Friday already. I said crypto beat. It would be privacy beat glory. This is our Thursday it's show, Sam. Home. My goodness Total gracious. privacy beat glory is the greatest privacy glory, beat glory. And we, 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 and Naomi, we have some fun facts about our winner today. Oh, please. Would you like please to Please tell them? me the fun facts, Sam. Well, Nico Silva, ironically, is into Nicolas Cage movies. Mm. Shiny silver cufflinks. And apparently is thrilled by using two-factor authentication. Authentic authentication. <laughs> there you go. Can't talk today. Congratulations. Nico. That's that's fantastic. Well done for using two-factor authentication, Nico. That's uh, I really respect you. We'll have to have you on the show to talk about your experience with that and give people some tips for the best two-factor. But those were actual, a hundred percent verifiable 
definitely true facts about today's winner. So everyone, thank you so much for joining us. We are going to head off now and just a heads up that tomorrow we of course do have our Crypto Beat show at 4 p.m. We come to you live every Thursday for Privacy Beat at 4 and every Friday for Crypto Beat at 4. So make sure you tune in there. We have more quizzes, we have more breaking news, we have more tips and uh, all things crypto related. So make sure you tune in. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you so much uh, uh, Ramsey for the super chat i really appreciate your support and before you go hit that like button hit that subscribe button youtube hides our videos in the algorithm so it really helps us to get seen if you hit that like button it, it bumps us up thank you for being here and have a wonderful rest of your day we'll catch you later bye